This is Hitting the Mark. Conversations with founders about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success. With your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Geierhalter. It, it's really actually good to keep it lean um, because you end up going down these these different holes, which I've gone down too. Like, oh, let's spend a lot of money on this. And oh, but what, what, what was that good for, right? Like, especially with marketing. Marketing is like this endless pit, right? Uh, and to try to be authentic and try to capture, um, you know, in a raw way is, is also really great. Try to capture... Um, the customer where they really are at that level and and be authentic and a little raw and not have to be overproduced. This was Vicky von Holzhausen, who utilizes her background as a designer for Audi and Mercedes to innovate on materials that are truly sustainable through her eponymous vegan leather bags and accessory brand. Vicky and I discussed the weight of her brand promise, The Conscious Code, how she bootstrapped a luxury brand, how she showcases accountability by using her last name as the brand name, and so much more. But before we dive in, I'd like to thank the latest supporters of the show, Malik for joining the Startup Circle, and Kara for jumping on board the Golden Brand Circle. If you want to find out more about how you can join this group of creative entrepreneurs while ensuring we keep the show advertising free time and time again, then please do head over to patreon.com slash hitting the mark to do so. And now, without further ado, over to my inspiring conversation with Vicky von Holzhausen. Welcome to the show, Vicky. Thank you so much for having me. I am so thrilled to have you on Hitting the Mark. Uh, we, we just realized a couple of minutes ago that we both graduated from Art Center College of Design in the same year, which is really wild. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say what year that was, <laughs> because that is going to reveal a bit too much about our respective ages. But um, but let, let, me, let me just start off this episode by reading a couple of quotes from some publications about you and your eponymous brand. Vicky von Holzhausen mastered the art of marrying sustainability and style. That was Rob Report. And Forbes said, Vicky von Holzhausen makes vegan leather luxurious. Fast Company said, this vegan leather feels so real, and I love that, PETA might just throw paint at you. <laughs> so your, your designs are made from Technic Leather, 100% uh, animal-free and sustainable leather alternative that maintains the look and feel of real leather, but it possesses greater benefits. You also just launched the bamboo-based bamboo leather line. Before you started your brand, you worked as a designer for luxury automotive brands like Audi and Mercedes. So I can kind of see how there was a lot of leather involved in luxury cars and how that may have translated into your urge to create something new. Tell us how your brand came about. When and why did you have that aha moment and, and went to work on it? Yeah, it's, it's been a journey. And like most journeys, it's not a straight line. Um, so yeah, I started as a car designer and um, I actually went to school for automotive design. I grew up in Pasadena, 
Pasadena has one of the few schools where you can actually study automotive design called Art Center College of Design. And it's kind of like this very um, prestigious school, definitely at the time, it's kind of like the Harvard of design. And, um, you know, I grew up next to the school. I, I started going there when I was like 13 years old, taking classes, learning about design. And I knew right away this was my path. And, you know, car design was so interesting to me because it's the most complex product that you can design. It, it combines so many different things like, you know, the art of or the sculptural elements of the actual car, plus the engineering aspects and packaging, and also kind of an idea of what people will live like in the future. So it kind of embodies, you know, generational like zeitgeist, right? So it, it kind of represents the mood of the times and it was completely intriguing to me. So I, I studied car design and I ended up working for um, the uh, German automakers, uh, Audi first and then Mercedes. And I think we spoke a little bit earlier about how I, I was um, studying in uh, Switzerland as well in the Swiss campus. And that kind of segmate weighed me into loving, uh, falling in love with and being very intrigued by German design and sort of like this Bauhaus movement and particularly sort of the Dieter Rams way of thinking about design. A piece mm -hmm. of his philosophy has to do with sustainability, functionality, and, um, you know, just authentic, uh, letting the product just sort of do what it's made to do and not sort of over baking the idea, right? Um, I think that that was always formative in, in the way that I started as a designer. And so when I went to Germany and, you know, after that through my career, I was very intrigued by all of those philosophies and um, I was so impressed by the way, the thought process when living in Germany and the focus on sustainability and the impact of a product on the environment. Germany is, uh, and I'm sure Austria where you come from is like so, um, so focused on our each consumer's impact into the environment. Mm -hmm. And it, it just feeds into the sort of de design philosophy there. And, you know, the customer back then, and this was quite a while ago, they were asking, they were really ahead of the curve. They were concerned for the environment. And they were really asking the hard questions of the automaker. Like, why does it take 20 hides of leather to upholster a luxury car interior? And you'd see that with the offerings that these, um, these manufacturers were, were giving their customers, they would have to offer cloth seats or other options because the customer really kind of demanded that. And, you know, going back and then working, um, I was recruited to work for General Motors Advanced Concept Design after that and was very happy to, you know, at one point move back to California where I'm from. Um, but, you know, the philosophy was really different. And I feel like Europeans were kind of sort of ahead of the curve as far as their concern for the environment. And of course, it has to do with the fact that the countries are smaller and they have to really care for what they have and, and really um, understand where every product goes at the end of its lifespan, right? So going to America, you know, I, I kind of, I, I brought that philosophy with me. And just to also back up, there was a convergence between my personal philosophy. I was, you know, always um, interested in environmentalism, and I was a vegetarian from the age of 19, and then became actually a vegan throughout the process of creating this brand because I was kind of convinced by the data and mm. switched over. I, I converted myself. Um, 
but you know, it was kind of this, this long journey of always being interested in these subjects. And I definitely, you know, saw an opportunity with uh, the leather alternative space. When you dig into it and when I was digging into it um, as a designer, you just see the tremendous amount of impact that it creates for the environment. And then seeing sort of like the, the, um, the trajectory towards veganism and uh, alternatives, alternative protein, of course, led the path about six years ago. Um, I saw an opportunity uh, to really impact a space that didn't have a lot of uh, a lot of great thought around it. So I created the brand. Um, I, you know, when I launched it in 2015, um, I didn't think that anybody would really consider vegan leather as something that was high tech or could be better than leather as far as performance. Um, and, you know, it was a journey to sort of try to understand what the cu customer wanted, if it was feasible for the customer. And sure enough, it has been. Um, it, it was a very different climate in 2015, right? Vegan um, collections and vegan leather or alternative leather wasn't something that um, was so prevalent in the marketplace. So, yeah, I think that maybe that answers a little bit about how my path was formed and how I came about this idea in the first place. Absolutely. No, this 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 was wonderful and, and I love how it all connects back to, to to the origins of what you what you you know what you learned along along the way, right? And and, and being exposed to different different cultures and bringing that back in, into the US and, and trying to leave a mark. Um let, let's talk about the conscious code, um, which which seems to be the brand's guiding principles, or maybe I would even call it a brand promise. What what is it? What does it entail? And and why was it important for you to spell it out on on your website. Yeah, I'm so glad you found the conscious code. So it's this idea that, you know, we shouldn't just create products to create more products, right? It's um, this idea that you want to create something with true value, value um, as far as aesthetic and functional, but also value for the future. And so it's the code of conduct that we, um, that's represented in all of our products. And of course it's a veganism, animal-friendly, low-carbon footprint, a kind of low-carbon footprint is a huge subject, and it's probably our guiding light as far as the brand goes. But also, um, uh, Conscious Code represents, you know, ethically made, fair wages, minimum waste, um, which is amazing when you're dealing with fabric as opposed to leather hides. There's a tremendous amount of waste when you're cutting leather with patterns. Um, it also has to do with non-toxic um, inputs and, you know, we give back into our community with each sale of our product uh, on the website. So all of those things um, create a code of conduct that um, is our North Star. I, I I love it, and I always think it's so fascinating um, talking talking to to founders like yourself um, about how the industry actually works behind the scenes. You know, because us consumers, we only know the buzzwords, right? So if we think about your product, we think about oh, it's vegan leather. You know that oh that that's good, that's positive, right? Like no animals were slaughtered, and that's kind of the end of it. But for you, there's so much happening with like the carbon footprint and with 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 all of these 
insights that you gained as you were working on this new product um, that that a lot of a lot of customers would never know. And so I, I loved seeing that 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 conduct and understanding, learning more about how a lot of other products in that space are being created that we would never know about. Yeah, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of research that goes into each of our material developments. And um, I think you mentioned that we we do develop all of our materials from the ground up. We're not picking anything off the shelf. Um, it's sort of built from the fiber level through the chemistry on up. Um, and we think through, you know, like I said, sort of internally, as far as materials go, we look for a low carbon footprint, but what does that mean, right? As far as sustainability goes. And there's many different facets of low carbon footprint. One area that we look into is uh, landfill diversion. So we achieve this through our focus on um, developments with high recycled content. So Technic Leather has uh, uses recycled plastic water bottles, which are so abundant on this earth, you know, hmm. we really try to steer away from any virgin materials. Um, so that's um, sort of the concept there. And then the other piece is low petroleum content. So even though we're using recycled plastic water bottles for the input, it is like non-virgin. So we're using basically trash to create the foundation for that material. And then on the top coat, we've innovated a chemistry which is um, based in uh, like plant-based inputs, right? So plant-based chemistry. Um, and then we're, we're trying to solve to 100% plant, but it's still, you know, in the testing phase and innovation space, we call it our innovation lab. So, you know, the idea here is to minimize the petroleum content as much as possible, but to maintain performance because performance is a piece of sustainability as well. So you don't want your product to fall apart after a short time, you want it to live its full lifespan. And then another piece of the of the um, carbon footprint is what is what happens at the end of the life, you know, end of product life, um, you know, where does it go? And unfortunately, most products go into a landfill, and sometimes they go into the ocean, right? So we design for that, um, and what we do is we use a proprietary biodegradation technology um, in certain materials. It you know if it seems like the appropriate um, application. And what happens is, you know, a plastic water bottle takes 450 years to 500 years uh, to biodegrade, even in a, in a landfill condition. And with the technology, it takes about two years to biodegrade. And that also um, does, it gives the opportunity to not form any microplastics, which is very important when using plastic uh, components. So, you know, we think about the product from the inception, from through the life cycle, you know, through the lifespan, the performance aspect, and then also the end of life, what happens um, when the customer throws it away. Absolutely remarkable, and and I and I start I start talking to more and more founders that uh, that that have that ambition to to think to think about this the three hundred sixty you know life life cycle, and uh, it's it's really. It's a it's a it's a very positive thing to hear that happening in the industry because as as you as you mentioned it's not easy <laughs> it's like there's a lot there are a lot of components uh, to it and it's constant innovation uh, to 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 bring that thinking into into a product. Um, your your husband also came from the automotive industry and I believe he is he is uh, the chief designer at, at Tesla where he designed three models including the Model Three. Um, was he was he a co-creator with your brand or did Tesla keep him too busy um, with, with, with 
<laughs> or, or did he did he have any any impact on it too? Was it was it a collaboration effort? I just assume two designers coming from the same background that there must be a little bit of co mangling. Oh no, Franz stays out of this. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. <laughs> yes, you know he he says to me all the time that he doesn't understand fashion. So <laughs> yeah, he stays out of this. It's definitely um, we have an amazing team. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's my baby. So it's, uh, the team is, uh, great. It's very diverse and, um, growing and, you know, reach out to me if you're interested in the space. We're always trying to find amazing people to work with us. Um, but yeah, no, he's not involved whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's process. great. But, but you're, you know, obviously you're sharing, you're sharing the last name, you know, now that now the last name became, became your brand. Um, and we, and we chatted a little bit about this in the beginning, right? Because here's von, von Holzhausen talking to Geierhalter, right? So we, we had to, we had to at least, uh, you know, chat about this, but it's, you know, it's it, on the one hand, you know, the, the, the brand must have, have been at least associated, you know, with, with your husband a little bit, because he's, he's, he's a big name in the, in the, in the automotive design space. And also with your former personal brand, right? As a as a fellow automotive designer, and it's it's not the easiest to say, spell, and recall unless you have a home advantage like myself as a native German speaker. But maybe maybe therein lies the magic, right? Since it sounds very high end and it definitely stands out. How how did you decide on this big step of using your last name as the brand name? Yeah, this is a really important piece because I was kind of joking around with you earlier that. Um, marketers and other people <laughs> keep trying to get us to change the name of the brand. And I feel very strong that strongly about the fact that I put my name behind the product because I'm, I'm sort of the kind of person that's in it for the long game, right? This is not sort of one of these things like, oh, it's a fun idea. Let's build this brand and flip it and make a lot of money. And, you know, like we're out. I think that this the idea here is to create a brand and a company that solves real world problems that are necessary to solve. And that's why I put the, you know, family name, the, the name behind it. The name is not a name that is like flighty here today, gone tomorrow. It's something that, you know, it's a family name and it kind of creates an integrity that I stand behind what we build. Um, and I think that means something today. And I think when so many are in it with, you know, a, a greenwashing approach or sort of like a quick flip kind of approach with sort of like a very marketed um, angle, um, I definitely don't take that approach. Yeah. And long, long game is harder. <laughs> it's, <laughs> we grind it out a lot and it's not, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't been an easy sort of like, again, we're trying to convince people to change their habits and introduce them to something very different and in a way countercultural. But yeah, that's a, a sort of um, roundabout way of describing why I I decided to use the name. No, and I, th I think, I mean, you, you went straight to the point, right? It's a lot about accountability and and about being being transparent. And and, and I mean, it's, it's kind of like the old saying, you, you put your name on the door, right? And, and that's what I did when I started my design agency back in the day. It was Gaia Halter Design. No one could pronounce it, but that was okay. It was unique. And then, you know, as we grew, it turned into Gaia Halter and Company. Um, but but there was always this sense of, um, of, of not only ownership, but accountability at all times, right? Um, and I think... 
for for a fashion brand um, today, launching today, like you like you alluded to, it's 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 really important. You know, it's not it's not an Instagram brand <laughs> where you know it's here today, it's gone tomorrow, and then you know you just don't know what happened with it. But but talking about Instagram actually for a second. Um, how important was Instagram during the launch of your brand? Because there's such a power in the platform for consumer brands to spread the word in ways that were just, you know, unimaginable just, just a decade ago. And I, I know that I know that your brand is doing really, really well on Instagram. It's a very, it's a very visual brand. It's a very visual product. Um, how important was it during the first weeks or months? Well, I think all of those channels are hugely important because it's our communication. So let's say, you know, I don't have, I came from the auto industry in a way I'm an outsider into the fashion industry, right? So I don't have sort of like an in with the fashion editors when I first started or a way to get press or, you know, speak about what we're trying to do. So it's amazing that now we can market directly to the customer. So all of these channels and especially TikTok now, right? Um, are amazing ways to reach the customer through the language, uh, the unique language of each of these platforms. So yeah, I mean, you have to sort of figure out how to um, use all of those channels and help help the customer communicate to the pools of customers that you're trying to reach through the language of the platform. And, and maybe 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 I misread this, but I, but I believe I read last night that um, that in the beginning you 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 kind of like soft launched a brand where you just already had a pretty good amount of followers, you know, somewhere so friends, extended friends, and you you had a pretty good amount of followers before you actually launched the product, and 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 I believe you said that that actually really helped you in the beginning to gain, gain ground uh, quickly. Is is that correct, or am I making this up? No, we did. We had. Um we so we launched in 2015 and um we started i started posting um content on instagram and talking about what we're trying to do and you know tried to kind of create some hype around it and it helped and you know you just couldn't believe it where they we turned the website on right <laughs> and people actually bought stuff so it was kind of amazing that's magical <laughs> definitely it came from instagram and i think who was the creative director? I don't know if she still is at the time, but Ava Chen posted about our collection right from the get-go, so that really helped Amazing. gain a lot of action, yeah. Yeah, and that's and that that's what I alluded to because I think that is just that that, that is the power of social media these days that that you don't you don't do the old school I you know thinking of like I'm not going to share anything this is this is this is like all behind closed doors and then there's a big launch day and we're just all waiting and nothing happens right so it's like it's it's different I mean it, you can really you can really kind of like create buzz until until that day comes talking about buzz. Um, you have a line of Apple Watch and MacBook accessories uh, that you created for Apple. Um, that's 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 quite an accomplishment, especially knowing that that you've, you've only been around, you know, as a brand for 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 five six years. Um, also, from an impact point of view, it must be amazing for you to feel like you know you you have that big impact with an audience like you know Apple's. How did the collaboration come about? I um, it was like one of those random things. I. Um, I was, I'm very interested in Apple. So Steve Jobs was sort of my hero growing up. You know, I'm talking about Dieter Rams. And of course, Steve Jobs was that kind of same kind of ethos, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, it's kind of, it was always a dream of mine to get involved with Apple on some level. 
And so I tried to find a connection and it was one of those random things. A guy I knew had a girlfriend at <laughs> Apple. <laughs> and so I was, uh, I was like, oh, can you give me an introduction? And of course, begrudgingly, she didn't really want to. <laughs> it was like, okay, finally, I, I kind of went back and forth. And she gave me an introduction to the merchant team. And from there, I just kind of took it and ran with it. Um, I told them about what we're trying to do. I threw some product in the car and drove up there. You know, I'm in Malibu and they're up in... Um, where are they? You know, up in the Bay Palo Alto, Area. right? Yeah. Yeah, they're in uh, Cupertino, right? That's so, right. Yeah. So I, I drove up there and I showed them what we're doing, what I was doing, and they really loved the product. They loved the philosophy. They liked the sustainability. And so it was a long process because Apple doesn't just like take something that you have. I mean, typically, or I think I don't think that they typically <laughs> right. take exactly. something that you have off your website, off your out of your collection, and say, okay, we're going to put this in an Apple Store. It's a collaborative effort. You know, what, what what do they need? What what you know? What's in line with their customer? And so I um, worked on this concept of creating uh, an accessory for their watch bands because they had nothing. Um, it's the watch band portfolio, and it's like a very simple accessory that mimics actually the way that they display their watch bands in store. In this sort of, um, uh, you know, you have to kind of see it visually, but they're like a louvers that the the bands sit in perfectly. And um, it's a beautiful little accessory that zips around and it's kind of a display case for the watch bands. But you know, it was um, a totally new product for them. And it was really awesome to launch with a completely new concept. And it's done really well. That was in 2019. And it's been in store and um, quite successful since then. And now we have like something like 20 products at Apple from MacBook sleeves or cases to um, iPads and another watch um, storage device. And yeah, it's been a great road with them. And they, they really appreciate the perspective, the company's perspective. And I think that they're really um, supportive of um, younger brands with a mission. And I think that's so important to say too, right? Because you know, there, there's still there's still that that notion for some entrepreneurs, uh, just a few, I guess, at this point, where you know how important really is the mission, and how important is it, you know, to to uh, how how important is sustainability? How, but it 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 directly impacts growth, and I, I keep saying that, and and you you, I mean, you live it, right? I mean, that the you know, being able to innovate with Apple on that level, which which was you know a dream of yours, right, for for a long time, like. Like it would be with with anyone who who grew up in that era, um, you know that that might have never happened if if you wouldn't have you know uh, you know entered the marketplace with such a bold vision um, where you really want to want to innovate on a, on a material level. Um, talking about innovating on a material level and talking about Apple, um, uh, there's a direct there's a direct relation to my next question. You you launched. A really interesting initiative last year. I'm not sure if it's ongoing or if it was just a one-off. Um, you had a call of entries out that was seeking material innovators from all paths of life and corners of the earth. You also had an impressive jury, and that's where Apple comes in because you had the advertising legend Lee Claw on 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 the on the jury. How how did that initiative go? I thought it was such an interesting I, I, idea. What what was the result? Yeah, it was a really interesting time, and I loved doing that project. It was right at the beginning of COVID. And you have to remember back 
then, you know, it seems like an eternity ago, it but does. <laughs> so everything kind of slowed down, right? Um, we're selling stuff on the website, you know, we have a product that we're uh, shipping all over the world for Apple and as well. And all of a sudden, like supply chains start to shut down and everything starts to slow down and nobody knows what's going to happen. And the world starts to, to shut down, right? So it was like this really scary moment. But, you know, I really thought about that as an opportunity because it was almost like there was a dying of the old, right? Mm -hmm. And through this, this situation, there was an opportunity for what I would call like new paradigm companies and um, like a new world kind of company to, to come forward. And I really believe that we are part of that um, energy or that, that um, you know, group of companies that are emerging from a crisis, right? I mean, we clearly uh, were alive before the crisis. We were a brand before the crisis, but now people's perspective has really shifted, right? And so at that moment during shutdown, I was like, well, we could kind of like shut down and take a break and see what happens, or we can try to lead uh, some, you know, initiative or lead away and lead some communication. And we really talked about, and I really thought, what is the core of our brand and what is the core of our mission? And at our very essence, we are material innovators and we use the material to build great product right throughout a collection and we show how the material functions through the, the the collection and so we know that there's a lot of people out there at during covid at the beginning especially that were doing the same thing they were innovating in order to survive like they had to make do makeshift things because everything was shut down and they had to think of their life differently so everybody became a material innovator so we wanted to connect our mission with the mission of like everything that we were seeing around us. And so we decided to uh, launch a really fun competition and, you know, open it to everyone and, and see what, you know, synergistically what people were coming up with. And we um, gathered friends um, from all walks of <laughs> industries and life, right, um, into the jury. And we, you know, we ran it for a few weeks and it, it was just a lot of fun. We did a cool video with uh, our friend Angus Wall. Angus is like this amazing um, artist, collaborator. Uh, and he he does, if you know something about Angus, he's done like, he's worked on the girl with the dragon tattoo and fight club <laughs> and stuff. Like, it's amazing, right? Yeah. He, you know, he got involved. He did a little short film for us or his team did, right? And uh, it was like this really cool art, uh, you know, moment of inspiration. And as it usually happens in the midst of a crisis, right? I think it's been cool to see how artists and designers have um, confronted this, this moment in time. And I hope, you know, we are moving into a new world because of it. I, I believe so. And I, I think, I mean, that that is such a great way of using your brand as a platform during that time. And, and, and like you said, you know, that was a time where everyone started to really think about, uh, think about a lot of things. We had time to think again, right? Um, uh, and, and, and actually, I, I myself, you know, am, am currently knee deep in, uh, in starting another company, and I'm going down the functional product route, uh, li like yourself, but, but it's, it's also deeply rooted in design, um, although not in fashion accessory, but uh, in 
in the in the music lifestyle category. So um, it's exhilarating to say the least. But it's a hundred percent. It hundred percent came out of the the pandemic, right? Where I saw a need, and I'm like, let's solve this. Um, I, I believe that you self-funded your your company uh, in in the beginning. Um, uh, obviously, in the beginning, um, are, there, are there any tips for 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 myself or for any self-funded entrepreneur? Uh, maybe how to keep costs low despite launching a luxury brand, or how to not get overwhelmed, <laughs> or how to get the first press. Um, any any thoughts that you can reassure me of my idea that self-funding really is the right way to go? <laughs> I don't know if it's the right way to go. I decided to to do it this way. And it's been a it's been a hard road, you know. Self funding is is definitely bootstrapping is a really tough road. You have to. Um, I I used to basically do everything for the company, right? Yeah. So which is great because you learn each discipline, right? You learn the marketing side, you learn the production. You know, my expertise is design, engineering, and manufacturing, right? But. I ended up having to learn all these other um, facets that I would have never learned if I hadn't self-funded. So I think that's really useful, especially when you start bringing on your team, right? You know the right questions to ask and you you really understand what the purpose of each of these facets is. And I think it it's really actually good to keep it lean. Um, because you end up going down these these different holes, which I've gone down too. Like, oh, let's spend a lot of money on this, and oh, but what 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 was that good for, right? Like, especially with marketing, marketing is like this endless pit, right? Yeah. Uh, and to try to be authentic and try to capture, um, you know, in a raw way, and is is also really great. Try to capture um, the customer where they really are at that level, and and be authentic and a little raw and not have to be overproduced. And, you know, today we shoot a lot of our imagery just on the iPhone. We don't really spend a lot of um, resources on expensive photo shoots or fancy photographers. Or yeah. maybe to our detriment. I don't know. Maybe we'll change. Uh, you can't tell. You can't yeah. tell. Yeah. No. Yeah, you can't tell. And I think that the customer is, is, likes that they like the authenticity yep. the rawness and that's sort of cool i mean if i can describe myself i'm definitely more like punk rock than produced pop music right yeah, yeah <laughs> we're yeah, definitely yeah. down that road and i think that's why it's i think a really great thing to self-fund but it's not an easy path oh that that i'm sure but i i do appreciate um you know some some of the um empowering and encouraging words there <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, it's uh, it's gonna be a journey. I'm really excited about it. So since you, because I talk about branding all day long, right? It's nice if I actually create my own brand along the way. So now I'm gonna have to live up to everything that I write and talk. So that's gonna be super exciting. Um, but you know, you you worked with you worked with some of the biggest brands in the world. Um, you you now launched your own brand. You've been you've been living and breathing it for the last five six years. What does what does this often misunderstood word? of branding mean to you? What was, what, what, what is branding to you? Yeah. I mean, that, that's really interesting. The best definition of branding that I've ever heard is a promise that when kept creates preference. And yep. I've kept that in my mind. So like you make a brand promise and you keep it, you're consistent and you're authentic about it. And then people create, it creates loyalty by the customer, from the customer. So I, I think that to me is, is branding. And, and it is, I mean, it is, it is 
it is true because that's why you created the conscious code, right? You know, like there's there's a promise that you need to keep, and people know that you're you're putting it out there, right? So so it is uh, it is honest. If you could if you could describe your brand in 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 one or two words, um, you know, for, for instance, Everlane is radical transparency, right? Um, you know, and 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 Tom's is all about you know the wow service. Um, is there is is there a word or the two words that you can say? Look, if 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 I would if I would take everything through a filter, right, and then and then I, I can only use one or two words to describe the entire brand, which I know for you stands for a lot. Uh, do you know what it could be? Well, you know, it is sustainability, but that's kind of a fluffy word, right? What does it even mean? And I think that I, I try to explain that. What does that mean to to us with the low carbon footprint and all the different facets that go underneath that? So I think ultimately that's what what our vision is to create something that is long lasting and sustainable. And we're trying to solve a real world problem. I mean, if we want to get deep into the mission, our, our real, our mission is to make leather extinct, right? So we mm. want to replace leather with something sustainable um, and truly sustainable. Again, low carbon footprint, low petroleum content, biodegradable, high plant content, all of those things. So yeah, sustainability would be the word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's the foundation of the brand. Um, as we're, as we're slowly coming, coming to, to an end of our time together, um, do you have any other, you know, final thoughts or, you know, like brand advice, you know, as you were, as you were creating your brand um, over the last years for specifically for founders, you know, or marketers that, 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 that you feel like, you know, you, you, you might want to share? I think I kind of alluded to it at the beginning. I think it's important to actually look at um, a relevant problem to solve as far as, you know, branding, marketing. Those are sort of like words that sometimes get us into trouble, right? Mm -hmm. um, because maybe they imply something that's inauthentic, like you're trying to conjure up something or like invent something, right? That really doesn't need to be invented. And I think it's really, tr um, and, you know, we're all sort of guilty of that because it's, it's kind of fun to do to do it, right? <laughs> um, but I feel like, you know, trying to take the long view approach to really understand uh, a problem. I mean, we only live once and we want to make sure that we li leave a planet that um, has a future for our children, right? And I think, um, and for the next generations past that. So I think that taking the long view approach, understanding, um, you know, are you in it? What is your real goal here? Like, are you in it for just like a quick, quick sort of ride and like flip this and, and, and go off to the next thing? I don't know. I think that we need to, to think more seriously about brands these days and to really create something with longevity and integrity. And that, that solves real world problems because we definitely have a lot of issues to solve. That is for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. What is, uh, talking about issues to solve, what is, uh, what is next for the Von Holzhausen brand that you can potentially um, share with us? What are you excited about in the, in the next six months? Oh my gosh, we're going like a hundred miles an hour. We're, <laughs> we're doing so many cool things. I think that what's really exciting is that we just launched our innovation lab. We're in the process of sort of fleshing it out and putting it together. Um, we're building out an amazing team of material scientists, which is really great. Um, and it builds our integrity. 
I think, um, you know, trying to solve for some of the issues that we're seeing um, within the material space. So innovation lab, huge for us. And then um, working with uh, large scale companies on that, that initiative and supplying actual material to those companies oh, wow. is, is what we're doing. Oh, that is super exciting. That's a that's a logical next step that a lot of a lot of people would actually not have had the logic to think about. <laughs> so, but that is fantastic too. That that's that's great. Music to my ears. Where where can people follow you uh, either personally or, or or get to know the von Holzhausen uh, brand? And uh, I guess the next question for a lot of my listeners uh, would be: Do you ship internationally? Yes, we do, and we're happy to do so. Um, you can find us on vonholzhausen.com. Uh, it's maybe. You have to look up how to spell that word, but I think we come up right away in our in every search engine. And then we're pretty active on Instagram, on Twitter, and we just launched TikTok, which is really exciting. Perfect. That is fantastic. Well, Vicky, thank you so much for taking uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule. Now that we know what you're doing um, and, and what you're busy working on, um, it was it was such a great pleasure to have you on the show. Likewise, thank you so much, Fabian. Vicky von Holzhausen, what an inspiration and a reminder on how you can truly excel at living your brand promise as a company. And if you got intrigued when I mentioned my own first consumer brand I'm working on, and if you love music, then do head over to Instagram and follow at Tonoptic, where you will be able to witness my new entrepreneurial journey one post at a time. That's T-O-N-E-O-P-T-I-C. Tone Optic. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I have the conversation. And if so, please subscribe, rate, and share the show. Hitting the Mark is produced by my consultancy, Finian, where we create clarity for brand transformations. This episode was edited by Everett Barton, and the Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by Happiness One. I will see you next time when we once again will be hitting the mark. <laughs>